Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Great to have you with us after a lovely sunny weekend in Bristol and lots to smile about after that Swansea result as well. We'll look back on the Swansea game and Casey Palmer, his involvement scoring from a corner, pretty impressive. And we'll look more into detail and what has changed. Gregor was at the Swansea game. We'll ask him what he saw. That big huddle at the end as well was quite interesting. We've got a preview of Bournemouth and some special boosted odds from our sponsor, Mansion Bet on that, and a preview of QPR as well. Gregor, welcome along. Um, did you manage to sit in the sunshine at Swansea or it's usually in the shade there, isn't it? So did you manage to enjoy any of the sunshine this weekend? I did, yeah. It was um, it was a lovely day in South Wales and yeah, obviously uh, a correspondingly very good result as well. The sun is certainly shining over Ashton Gate at the moment. Yeah, we said last week what a difference a week makes. Looking back last week, I know we recorded after the Borough game, but I've sort of since found out that Nigel Pearson did have some words with the players before that game. We saw that reaction, um, didn't we, almost straight away, which makes you think the power of sort of one person is quite incredible. In his post-match on Saturday after Swansea, he gave credit to the existing coaching staff and the players, but... It is a big impact so far. It's that new manager bounce without getting too overexcited because this this can happen. They have a bounce and then things sort of plateau. But at the moment, you heard from him on, was it Thursday he did the pre-match press? Um, what were your first thoughts when you first spoke to him? Uh, yeah, it was the Wednesday they did, the club did all Wednesday, the, the yeah. sort of, yeah, the um, announcing and official unveiling of Nigel Pearson. And yeah, it was obviously a, a lot of interest in that. Though I think, some 11 different media outlets. It was, a, it was a lot busier than normal. It was a much longer press conference. They, they, I think they set aside half an hour, but it certainly went on a lot longer than that. I think it was around 40 minutes longer in the end. And yeah, it was good to hear about Nigel Pearson's philosophy where he sees the club at the moment, what he feels can happen there, what he believes is important. And yeah, he's obviously come in and had an instant impact, as you said, after the Middlesbrough game. Uh, Keith Downing said that Nigel Pearson, I think sort of tying in with what you said there earlier, Michelle, that he had some wise words is, is, is the phrase he used for the, for the squads. And it's obviously had an impact there. Uh, great performance. I think it was their best away performance of the season up at Middlesbrough. And hopefully, yeah, every game is going to be 3-1 now after another 3-1 win at the weekend against Swansea. That'd be right. Well, three nil would be better with a clean sheet, wouldn't it? But we, you know, we won't be that picky. Let's just get our sixty-second fan review of the Swansea game, as you brought it on and so nicely there, Gregor. This is from Alex, who got in touch, and this is his review. If you'd like to do one of these, you just tweet us, Robins at the Gate. Hi guys, it's Alex here from Melbourne. Uh, just giving you a quick recap of the game on Saturday afternoon. Um, I thought there were quality performances across the whole team. Um, obviously, the standout players, for me at least, were Callas and Bentley. Um, some of those saves Bentley was making in the first half were just ridiculous. Um, could have been a few goals down at half-time. Pearson's got to take a lot of credit uh, for the change in formation, moving Viner into midfield. Um, 
we pressed very efficiently and really put them under the pump. Um, Swansea have been the best team in the league defensively this year, so I think it's pretty good achievement to put three past them at home. Um, confidence is pretty high at the moment. Uh, looking forward to the Bournemouth match. Um, hope you're all staying safe in lockdown over there. Um, it's 27 degrees over here, um, so I might nip down the pub in the beer garden. Not to rub it in, though. Cheers, guys. Liking the pod. Well, I enjoyed his 60-second fan review till the very end, uh, Gregor, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it, it's great to hear you know, the fans' perspective because actually I think Alex there is is very similar to what, what we've been saying. By the way, if you want to find Alex on Twitter, he's AlexBaker underscore 98. Um, not jealous of your weather at all, Alex. Um, he's pretty much spot on with what he said there. And Nigel Pearson said similar after. I thought his interview on the Bristol City Twitter account post-match was really good. I really listened to it because, oh, he gives some long answers, doesn't he? But it's not waffle. It's it's very interesting to listen to what he's saying and how he's get, trying to get that mix and blend of things right. Because obviously behind the scenes, things weren't quite right when Dean Holden left. Not saying it's Dean Holden's fault, just the atmosphere was low. Thomas Callis, the things he came out and said after um, that defeat a, couple, a week or so ago. But now it's like he's changed almost the whole, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it philosophy? Is there, is there sort of ethos? the way he had them in a huddle at the end. When was the last time you saw that, Gregor? When Bristol City had a huddle like that? Yeah, I, I think it happened really under Lee Johnson. I, I vaguely remember maybe one time where that happened, but I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it exactly. I wonder if anything around the Carabao Cup sort of time. Uh, but yeah, great to see. You're right, the atmosphere has changed massively, hasn't it? The mood around the, the club seems to be uh, it seems to be a lot better and yeah the, the the morale among the players I'm sure is much much better as you said it was a brutally honest interview with Thomas Callas where he was saying that the, the players hadn't become SHI overnight <laughs> and uh, yeah and that's true and it seems like they did need that bit of a kick up the backside or just some renewed confidence and one of the reasons they went well opted for Nigel Pearson was the, the leadership that he brings and and he's certainly providing that in spades. Those scenes after the game were just brilliant to see, weren't they? With with all the players huddled in there, and I I was sat right behind Nigel Pearson at the Liberty Stadium. I made sure I got the cl- the seat. You know, and you'll you'll know you're actually quite close yeah. to the, uh, the dugout there, aren't you? You're quite low because yeah. you can hear everything they say there. And, uh, yeah, so I was literally behind him, maybe just a couple of meters away. So I heard pretty much everything he was saying during the game, and. And um, what did you hear? Yeah, his, his, his reaction. Well, his reaction to the goals and everything. And um, obviously, he's, he was unhappy at a few little bits going along the way. Sort of when Fam couldn't hold the ball up, he was, he was irate. Uh, when when uh, Casey Palmer gave away the penalty, obviously, he was unhappy then. Um, but it was, in, it was um, interesting to hear his encouragement of the, of the guys when they scored the first goal. He was just very calm. Um, there was a there was a really funny bit at the end of the game um, that came out in the press conference because he'd, he'd been given the, the wrong gilet at half time and uh, he came out and he was wearing this, somebody else's gilet and there was a phone in the pocket going off and he got his phone out and he, he, he realised that it was not his phone and it was somebody <laughs> else's but it happened to be 
Andy Vyman saying, get the F in there, boys. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, I love things yeah, like that. He shouted that across to all the bench, which was a funny little moment. And yeah, I, I can tell you that even before the end of the game, he was shouting around all the staff saying, right, after the final whistle goes, get everybody in here, get all the players in here. Nobody goes inside. We're going to we're gonna debrief here. And uh, and yeah, I, it's funny because, yeah, somebody has said to me that basically that's, that's um, a real psychological thing to, to do the debrief outside and um, before you get into the changing room, it, right. it has much more impact apparently That's onto onto people. But yeah, whether that lasts for long, we'll see. I mean, I don't think you should get away from that. Actually, on another day, Swansea oh. probably would have won that. Swansea's XG, I, Gregor, you'll love this: four point yeah. three six for the game, yeah. as opposed to Bristol City's, which is one point one nine. Yeah, so Swansea twenty one shots. They're all over Bristol City, especially in the first half. You can't you can't deny it. Quite a bit of luck. I would say, um, on the day. But Dan Bentley, come on, he's got to be Bristol oh, City's player of the season. Yeah, definitely. No no disagreement here. I mean, those saves, I rewatched them yesterday on Sunday. Just unbelievable. There was the one close range from sort of Ben Cabango. That was brave. I actually thought the one at the near post to stop Jamal Lowe, I remember seeing it real time at the Libsy and I thought, how on earth has he managed to stop oh, that one? Because yeah. it was the power on the shot was just unbelievable. That was a great save. There was another one low down to uh, Dander in the first half. And yeah, the double save from, I think it was Conor Hurahan's header, where he sort of palmed it up in the air. And then again, that, that was just unbelievable. Yeah, without doubt for me, he's been City's player of the season and he's, he's a class act. And uh, I, th- I actually think they'll do well to hold on. To I do as well. Much longer. I think clubs will be sniffing yeah. around for sure that are higher, maybe in the Premier League. Uh, Riley Towler, interesting one. Moments to go in the first half. He gets a yellow and then he commits another foul. And Nigel Pearson takes him off. He put an arm around him. And then in that big group huddle, Riley Towler just looked, his face, he didn't look happy in, 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 that, in that photo. Um, what would you... What would you say was the thinking behind that? Because could Nigel Pearson not have waited a minute and just taken him off at half time? Because being subbed in the first half is never nice as a player. Yeah, it's not good for the psychology. The only thing I would add to it is that, as I say, because I was sat right behind him, I know that he actually wanted to make the change a bit quicker than that. It had been going on. It was in the... it was being talked about from about the 40th minute. The part, right. I think part of it was that Sessignon wasn't quite ready to come on. He was actually, when he, when he told him to come on, he was down the far end of the pitch where he was doing some, some warm-ups. And so by the time he got back and he, and he got his tracksuit bottoms off and everything, another maybe couple of minutes had elapsed. So yes, in the end, it seemed a bit of an odd one, like just literally seconds before the interval. And it almost seems like he's making a point, but that wasn't really the case. And it was just unfortunate timing. And yes, I, I personally do think he made the right decision there. I see it. I see, I see where he's going because, honestly, one more tackle, that ill-timed challenge, would have probably seen him sent off. Mm-hmm. He, that, that's no slight on Riley Towler. He was, I thought he had a, I thought he had an all right game. He, there was a couple of times where Roberts got in behind him a little bit too easily, and obviously he was on that tightrope of of already having the yellow card, and he did catch AU late. But I, I, I think he might have been able to manage that a, a little bit longer. But I always think. You just in football, you don't have a second to waste. So, I think Pearson did the right thing, and 
hey, he's got the win in the end. And, and also, Sessegnon played pretty well as well, I thought, second half as well. Yeah, uh, he did put a good performance. Another performance, even though he gave away a penalty, was Casey Palmer scored an Olympic goal, which is named after Argentine striker Cesare Onzari's corner kick that spun directly into the goal for Argentina in 1924 against Uruguay. Had you heard of it being called an Olympic goal, Gregor? Yes, I have. I knew you would have. I knew you would have. I knew it. Because basically, I I, I used to live in Germany and um, it's a big thing over there. They used to celebrate Olympic goals all the time. They always saw this as... um, a real skill of corner kick takers and they used to deliberate then celebrate some players yeah shooting basically some players would shoot right okay from the corner flag so so a big thing in Germany has um, Casey Palmer been watching the Bundesliga or or was it a fluke (laughs) well yeah I I was a fluke without doubt I mean I asked him after (laughs) the game I spoke to him after the game and I said and we we chatted about it there's no he's not well he's not shooting there but he did say to me that obviously if you put it in the right areas you just never know what's going to happen and they were working on it um, in the days before and so that was obviously their tactic and actually Nigel Pearson when that goal went in he turned around to the the bench and everybody behind them and he gave them a wink a wink to say look we've been working on that there you go instant dividends it's worked so yeah and with Palmer he's got he's got a bit lucky there but at the same time it was so sweetly hit that he just sailed into that top corner when you when you hit it that well you've always got a chance yeah, it was it was quite something. Really pleased for Antoine Semenyo, by the way, um, get, getting his league goal. And yeah, just that's what you do when you're a striker. You close down, you might get a, a bit of luck, but he's wanted that so badly, hasn't he? He has, and it's, it's been coming. He was always going to get there this season. I think that's a, a major little breakthrough for, for Antoine. He's, he's been impressing across this season in, in patches, and he's got quite a few goals and assists in the in the cup competitions. Well, I think two two of each maybe. And so yeah, it's good for him to add now the the league strike as well. And I think he'll push on for me. I'm expecting a, maybe a few more goal contributions before the end of the season. And, and all in all, I, I think it will have worked out to be quite an impressive first league sort of breakthrough campaign. And, yeah, um, certainly how young bodes he is, well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Th- certainly bodes well. Yeah, absolutely. And Naki Wells on the score sheet. Nine goals for him, just one off double figures. I mean, 19 goals between him and Famara Zizou so far. That's not bad, actually. When, when you know, it's not that potent, but it's decent considering that Bristol City haven't scored that many in, in many games. No, I, I think this is key to Nigel Pearson's start and moving forward. One of the criticisms I had of Dean Holden was that he wasn't getting the best out of Nagy Wells. Mm. And I think, I think, that, yeah, too too often. And I, I suppose actually you can say that's what happened with Bristol City on Saturday. They changed that their formation to go sort of four five one in the second half, which worked. They they pushed up the pitch and managed to take the game to Swansea. And and Narky Wells was over there again on the left doing a job for the team. But chiefly for me, it was more about not getting the best out of Wells, who I think City have got to get the most out of if they're going to achieve their ambitions. I just can't see them getting any success unless they've got Wells firing uh, those goals in like he did at QPR. So just recently in the last couple of games, that's probably been the biggest positive for me, seeing Wells finally on the score sheet, contributing um, in a big way and with a good partnership developing with Jeju. Those those two, that's a strike 
and partnership that's as good as any in the in the championship for me. Uh, they those guys can if they were on top form all season both hit around twenty goals a season. I know Fam has never done that, um, but he's never really played every single game of a season. So I think in terms of sort of goals per ninety minutes, I think both of those guys if if they did play everything they they'd be right up there. So expecting those two now to be basically the fulcrum of the, of this Bristol City attack. Well, just looking slightly further ahead and still no solutions to Fumara Juju's contract situation. If Nigel Pearson does well and stays beyond the end of the season and, you know, tells Fam, you know, this could be a side that is genuinely competing next next year, could that make him stay? I mean, surely it would. I think it would hold some some water, basically. I think, it, yeah, it would be... Um, something to add to that it maybe depends on what other offers he gets and and that might in turn depend on how he plays in these last couple of months yeah, and yeah. how Bristol City do I, I certainly think if Bristol City can show that they're not too far away from the top six I mean this football's so crazy and the championship is so crazy I wouldn't rule anything out whatsoever but um, still expecting City to finish in the top half somewhere this season now and that is relegation done and dusted with, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it's crazy. Sort of two weeks ago, we were getting quite worried that they're going to get sucked into a relegation battle. Uh, but fast forward a couple of weeks, 45 points. And if you look at Rotherham, who are on 29 at the time of recording, yeah, you, you've got to think they're, they're going okay right now. And yeah, they've played more teams, uh, more games than the teams around them. But um, yeah, got to be quite confident in the top half, looking pretty safe. Um, which brings us on to a team that are competing for a playoff spot. Looks like Automatic is just out of their reach. That's Bournemouth. I took them in last week at the Vitality when they were playing Cardiff City. Now, they couldn't cope with the way Cardiff played in the first half. They were so, so direct and they were so uh, unable to cope with Kiefer Moore and and his presence. But then when they played Watford on Saturday, um, it finished pretty fiery. Two settings off. Um, they had less possession, but managed to win out by playing slightly differently. So, what are you expecting from Jonathan Woodgate's side when they come to BS3? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I, I think, I, yeah, been, that's, that's what I was yeah. getting at there. You don't quite know, do you? No, they've been inconsistent, haven't they? And mm. yeah, I. I thought the game at the Vitality Stadium was was close. Uh, obviously, just a narrow win for the home side. And I suggest it will be close again, actually, Ashton Gate. And I think City will have a chance. I would, I, I mean, I would probably go for a draw myself. And only because I just feel that, well, Bristol City have had the fewest draws in the Championship for a start now. And they're probably due for a couple. So, yeah, I just wonder if they'll, they're, they're playing pretty well at the moment. They'll have that confidence up again off the back of the last two wins and Bournemouth obviously have turned the corner a little bit as well themselves so yeah I just wonder if it'll all cancel everything out but we'll see and yeah just on on Bournemouth's fiery end of that game I think I saw that the FA are still looking into that so it might be a few more repercussions but um, yeah certainly yeah uh, Bournemouth will be out uh, Jack Wilshire. it was Wilshire, wasn't it yeah he got sent off yeah 90, 90 minutes plus 9 he was sent off in so yeah we'll watch with interest what happens there um, let's get you some price boost from our sponsor Mansion Bet then for this game Robins at the gate proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet your favourite place to bet 
Okay, thanks to Mansion Bet. We have got you these. If you head to their website, there'll be more on this. Narky Wells to score first was six to one. It's now seven to one. And Bristol City to win one nil, two nil, or two one. It was seven to two. It's now four to one. So get involved and please be gamble aware and gamble responsibly. Okay, Gregor, so that's Bournemouth. There's another game just a couple of days later. It's the Championship QPR on Saturday at Ashton Gate. Looking forward to taking this one in. Um, again, QPR, another inconsistent side. They they get some great results, like beating Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago, uh, but then they lose to Birmingham. Um, <laughs> it's so hard, isn't it, in the Championship to know what to expect, but QPR are not where they want to be. 17th at the time of recording, but on 40 points, so, so probably okay because there's a whole cluster of teams around that mid-lower sort of mid lower table position. Um, again, what, what do you think about this one? For me, Bristol City should be looking to win this at, at home. Two games back-to-back at home as well. Nigel Pearson, really, what would he be? Two, well, 10 days in? No, yeah, 10 days in by then. So it would have taken a few training sessions. I guess the question is, even though he would have seen three games by then, two he would have been in charge in. How, how much time has he had on the training ground to really try and put his stamp on things? We saw what happened with the corner. We talked about that earlier, but it's very difficult when it's this congested to actually get on the training ground and work on things with the team, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he did media last Wednesday. So then his first proper sessions would have been on a Thursday. And then you're on the Friday and doing light sessions ahead of the game on the Saturday. So yeah, not much time. It's the same, obviously, this coming week because you've got the, the Bournemouth game on the Wednesday. Fortunately, after QPR, they've got a full week and you're right, maybe you'll be able to really impart some stuff on, up at Bayland in that time. But yeah, you're right. On, on QPR, I mean, they're another team who've been uh, consistently inconsistent. I mean, just mm-hmm. before the, the Preston draw in the Birmingham uh, lost. They'd won the last four games on the bounce, so including a, a win at Watford, which and Watford I think have still got the best home uh, record in the division. So, so they are a, another crazy team. You, you just don't know what you're going to get. I think I, I, I do fancy City against QPR. They seem to have a, a pretty good record of, of late, and they did well over at the Key and Prince Foundation Stadium earlier in the season as well. And there's obviously the, the Narky Wells factor against this former yeah. side as well. So. Yeah, I do fancy Bristol City to get something from that game. If if not a win, then at least a draw. And yes, it could be an interesting end to the season. If they can keep getting picking up points, then I think people may oh. may not realise oh. that. Are still... you getting quite optimistic? Go on. Well, no, all I was going to say was <laughs> we've still got we've still got almost a third of the season to go, or just less than that. So that's there is a lot of football to be played yet. The, the problem for me is. I could see Bristol City getting some good results and, and, and getting into the mix, the top six. But the problem for me is they're just running out of players. And wow. if, if they could get back the injuries, I mean, that's that's, that's something else. Because I'm not sure if you saw Michelle, but ahead of the Swansea game, they actually released some injury news and it was kind of buried a little bit, unfortunately, because of, of, of the match coming about. But Jamie Patterson has, has picked up a, a groin problem. It was his long running groin problem. If you remember before, he had um, minor surgery and it's not done the trick. He was missing again. He's got pain there. So that's going to take some sorting out and it, and it probably hints that he's not going to be around for a, a fair while. Joe Williams has went under, um, underwent surgery at the weekend uh, on, the, on his hamstring and it, there's no time frame on that. But 
we we understand that he might not play again this season. So again, Doubt it, yeah. if he's just had hamstring surgery, I mean, we've got, like mm. you said, well, between a quarter and a third of the season left, it's it's unlikely. This is, yeah, it's just been such a bad season. Is Nigel Pearson going to be in there now asking why have all these injuries happened? Yes, absolutely. And he, he said that himself. He said that he'll be uh, rooting around to find the cause. I know he's he's very big on his sports science, so I'm pretty sure he'll be asking the right questions. And yeah, Henry Lansby wasn't available either. He's got a sore Achilles heel um, problem that's ruled him out for the last two games. So, yeah, if you, if, I mean, they got this great result on Saturday, but look at their bench. The average age was, I think, oh, yeah. under 20. They had Tommy Conway and Alex Scott on there, which is great from an academy point of view. They had some five or six players from the academy on the bench there, but realistically, they had nobody uh, senior there. And if they were just to lose a couple of players... Now, then you're really looking at bringing in players who've got virtually no experience of the championship and probably should should be having league loans elsewhere first before coming in at this level of the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's the only thing really holding them back. If, if, if say, they got Mawson back and some players like that, then, you know, I would fancy their chances. But I, I just I don't because of that. Yeah, I agree. Apologies about that. I uh, record this in the studio, which is my husband's Mac. For some reason... <laughs> His phone is linked to the computer. I've got no idea how it will work. So whoever that was calling, <laughs> sorry, you've been rejected. Um, yeah, really good points there, Greg. Or just finally, before we go, keeping a very close eye on what's happening at Ipswich Town, because Paul Lambert has been relieved of his duties. There's links to a takeover. And if that takeover happens, links to Mark Ashton going there as a possible chief exec. What more do we know about this? So yeah, it was. You mentioned it last week, didn't you? At the end of the, the podcast, and actually on the Friday, it broke uh, in the Athletic. There was a story, yeah, confirming all that, and specifically mentioned Mark Ashton as being of interest to the consortium led by U.S. businessman Brett Johnson. And the story reports that Mark Ashton is the CEO. They would like to lead that. The, the club basically once they complete a takeover although the article did say that Ashton is currently happy at Bristol City and especially now that Nigel Pearson has gone in there and, and, and City seem to have turned the corner so that is a very interesting one to keep an eye on I, I wonder if if things might there might be some changes in the summer at the end of the season but um, we'll have to keep an eye on it. I mean as far as we know our own information it, it all that report is is pretty true. We've heard similar ourselves that that Mark Ashton is a wanted man, and uh, yeah, if if anything comes about over the next few weeks, it will be very very interesting to see. Yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting situation, shall we say? We'll be keeping a close eye on that one. Um, Gregor, as always in the know. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, and thank you for listening. Wherever you're listening, hit subscribe. You won't miss an episode. And again, welcome to all our new listeners that have joined us in the last couple of weeks. It's great to have you along at Twitter. We're at Robins at the Gate if you want to tweet us as well. And we'll be back next week. The Championship juggernaut just continues, doesn't it? It's absolutely phenomenal. These games coming thick and fast, but Bristol City can breathe a sigh of relief because Nigel Pearson will be able to get on the training ground as they have a week between QPR and Birmingham. We'll be back next week to look at that game. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Robins at the Gate. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. 18 plus, be gambler aware. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.